Good morning, good morning, everybody. How's it going? I'm Brother Matthew, and this is Christian Coffee Time, where we sit down together to study the Word of God. And today, we finally get back to our study of the Gospel of Luke. Um, kind of took a little bit of a break, and there's a bunch of other stuff that we uh, were looking at. Tons of other topics and, and goodies. So now we're here. We're going to continue on. So please grab your Bibles, notepads, and pens and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 11. And I'm so behind this morning. I didn't have a chance to fix this, which is supposed to be our morning reference. <laughs> All right, Luke 11 and why can't I type? Luke 11, we're at verse 14. There we go. <clears throat> Almost caught up. Okay, so Luke chapter 11, verse 14. Now, what we've been doing is just uh, taking the smooth stone and skipping it across the water. Uh, we've been kind of ripping through uh, fairly quickly. Um, spending some time... They're just trying to help us to understand the narrative, the context, the images, the pictures, what's going on, but not diving so deep. This is just more of a basic Bible study to understand the Gospels. And what we've been doing is using the Berean method, the Berean method of studying the Word of God, uh, the interpretation, application, demonstration. Now, this is based off of Acts chapter 17, verse 11. And the interpretation is the what. The what of the narrative. What is it saying? The narrative of the text. So you get an idea of context. So you're, you're not cherry picking. You want to back up and you want to read the, the whole passage. The, the whole narrative to understand. Because we don't take a part of a verse or a single verse all by itself. We want to see, okay, what is the whole section talking about specifically so we understand the interpretation is there's only one interpretation of the word of god what it says is what it means but there are multiple applications that it can be applied mentally physically spiritually circumstantially and you can apply a scripture with scripture to rightly divide the word of truth so we understand the what then we back up go again through it slowly understand the how how is it specifically being said the specific words and pictures and images doing the word studies take what you what you're reading okay where else in the word of god is it talking about that so that's the that's the application the how and then we do this for the why the demonstration to go live it speak it think it do it to apply it to ourselves for our own learning all right so with this, we see again, there's only one interpretation. What it says is what it means. Our personal opinions and feelings and all of this are completely, utterly irrelevant. Catechisms, commentaries, creeds, councils, utterly irrelevant. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, says, writes, whatever. What it says is what it means. And the buck stops here at the word of God. But our job is to understand exactly what it is saying in meaning. How can we figure out what the Word of God is saying? By proper study. Not just reading the Word of God. 
we can just read the Word of God and treat it like a reader's digest or something like that, and you're not going to get much out of it. Uh, you're going to grow tired of it because you're not applying it. You're not applying it to yourself, to your mind, your spirit, your soul, your life. So what we want to do is we want to learn how to study the Word of God, to dive into the depths of it. When we talk to the Lord, He talks to us. So this is what we're going to be doing. All right, so in this, you see a lot of people say, saying about some of the stuff in here as we've been going through about the miracles and the supernatural stuff and all this stuff and different doctrines and theologies people say well that was for back then that was back then now it's not for today okay and how do we know that that's nonsense well okay where does it say in the word of god that such a such a thing is ended that it's no more that it's not for today see clarity on the word of god it the word of god will, will state it that if something is ended it will state it if something is changed the lord will state it the lord is a god of clarity he's a god of clarity he's a god of understanding he is not the author of confusion if god hasn't said it if he doesn't teach it, if there isn't biblical principles specifically that can be applied to it clearly, then why are we jumping to assumptions and conclusions of ourselves? What it says is what it means. Now, why am I building this up like this? Well, let's take a look at our reading today. Luke chapter 11, verse 14. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. Now, dumb as in cannot speak unable to speak this person was unable to speak and he was casting out a devil and it was dumb and it came to pass when the devil was gone out the dumb spake and the people wondered <clears throat> the reason why i was saying what i was saying before is because there's so many people they read this they well you know the people back then they weren't as intelligent they thought everything was spirits and you know it was just obviously this person just had a physical ailment just had an illness or there's there's a problem with them you know and no see people automatically dismiss the supernatural the paranormal and all this kind of stuff that the word of god clearly talks about we see Jesus casting devils out of people. These people had all kinds of issues uh, where the person wa uh, was blind, deaf, mute, the spirit of binding where the person's all bound up like this spirit of binding cast it out and the person was freed. Um, that person was uh, the, the one person who had, uh, had uh, what we would perceive a mental problem. And they were thrashing around on the ground as a lunatic, as the Bible says. And he was a lunatic. He, Jesus cast the devil out of the person and the person was whole again. Now, I am not saying that I am not saying. I just really want to state this. I don't want people going from here saying the wrong thing. I am not saying that every illness and issue and problem is based on spirits and devils and whatnot. I'm not saying that. There are natural issues. But what I am saying is that, uh, that these issues could be supernatural. They could be based upon you know, a demonic attack of some kind. 
how do you know they're not? How do you know they're not? You see, we have a tendency to immediately just broad brush everything, to generically state everything as just natural. And the moment someone has a problem, an issue, or whatever, we run to the doctors, we run to the pharmacies, we run to the psychologists, we run to every other thing, we run to science, and we don't run to God. Like, how do you know that the issues upon your life are natural? How do you know they're, they're not unnatural? Supranatural. Supernatural. And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. Now, to understand exactly how this works and what is actually going on, um, there are certain devils who are specialists, experts on certain things. Um, as we see that the Bible talks about the spirit of lying. There's the spirit of fornication. There's the spirit of theft. The Bible specifically talks about these. Then you see the spirit of muteness, the spirit of blindness, the spirit of deafness, the spirit of binding. That these ones have certain specialties and issues of oppression and temptation that they can bring into your life. The spirit of lust. And that the, the, the poor boy who was lunatic, Jesus even said that some of these devils come not out but by prayer and fasting he says that now why would that be well let's go back again and take a look at the origin of the devils see first big mistake is uh, people saying that god created satan no he did not god created devils no he did not God created angels. He created angels. And angels at that time had free will to choose. They had free will to choose. And Lucifer looked upon himself. And over time, we don't know how long it was. It doesn't say say exactly. It says that he, that he started to swell up with pride about himself and his own position of his power. And, and all this and that Lucifer was the highest created being of all created beings. That he was the anointing cherub, the one on top. He was a musician and all of this. And he was covered in all glorious colors and things and precious stones and was coverings, all this stuff. And uh, he was filled with pride. And he led a revolt and he somehow managed to sway a third of the angels to side with him against God. If Satan can deceive a third of the angels, what makes you think he can't deceive you? Anyways, so the thing about the angelic realm, when you do a study of the word of God, an angelology according to the word of God, that there are different classes uh, in the hierarchy of the angelic realm. Some are more powerful than others. Uh, you have Michael, the archangel. There's only one. There's only one archangel, that's Michael, and his army, which is the host of heaven. And they see all the warrior angels, you know, the fiery chariots and all that stuff, the ones that fight in war. And you have Gabriel, he's the head messenger. And then you see all the other messenger angels that the Bible makes mention of. 
then you see the seraphims the beasts and stuff that go around about the throne singing holy 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 the ophanims that's that's the wheels full of eyes that follow the seraphims around about the throne then the cherubims which are the guardians of god's holiness are the ones that have the flaming swords they stand round about the throne lucifer was a cherubim one on top now he was uh the one of the guardians one of the cl those closest to god out of all of the angelic hosts and then you have other other kinds of angels and the beasts and uh, angels so you have the what i think is one of the coolest which is the angel he's uh uh, he's the size of a mountain. He's a proclaimer. One foot in the sea, one foot on the land, and he bellows out the proclamations of God. I think that's so cool. I want to talk to that one. He's really cool. It is, uh, so there's many different angels, and there's a hierarchy of the angelic realm of different ones that are more powerful than others. We even see this in, in the book of Jude. Uh, when Michael was disputing with Lucifer about the body of Moses, says Michael dared not bring a railing accusation against the devil, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Michael didn't even rely on his own strength, his own power, his own office. So he just stepped back and said, the Lord rebuke you. Because Lucifer is more powerful than Michael. Just saying. So, wonder how Jehovah's Witnesses figured that one out. <laughs> Anyways. So when Lucifer deceived a third of the angels, that was a swath up through the angelic hierarchy. And a third of the angels sided with Lucifer, and now we have an inverted hierarchy of the demonic realm. Certain devils are more powerful than others. Or certain devils, it just takes a simple rebuke and they just run. They just run and uh, they hardly resist much because... Uh, because uh, calling upon the Lord and mention of scripture will just send them to flight. Certain devils takes a bit more, a bit more praying, a bit more rebuking, and there's a little bit of a struggle. Certain devils, as Jesus says, come not out but by prayer and fasting. Let's take a look at this. This is in Matthew chapter 17, and we want verse 19. This is about the poor boy that... Uh, that had the the demonic possession and the disciples were unable to cast this devil out of the boy and they brought the boy to to jesus and as he was coming the devil threw the boy down and he was thrashing on the ground having a a foaming thrashing fit the bible says he was lunatic and jesus rebuked the devil and it left and the disciples say in Matthew 17, verse 19, Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind, this devil, this, this type of devil, of this power, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Now, in the original Koine Greek, of the original Greek text of the New Testament, Old Testament was in Hebrew, New Testament was in Greek, and then it was translated into English via the majority text manuscripts. And in the original Koine Greek, it flat out says prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is required to be able to defeat 
certain devils. Now, why do I emphasize this? Because there is a large majority of modern Bible translations that have specifically removed and fasting. Those two words. If you have your Bible handy, could you please do a check for me? Could you grab your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 17, verse 21. Matthew 17, verse 21. Does your Bible say prayer and fasting? Does it? If it doesn't, your translation has been deliberately tampered with, monkeyed with, and they've removed and fasting. Therefore, that certain Bible versions do not teach you how to defeat certain devils. Just saying. Do the check. Anyways, so check it out. Matthew 17, 21. Does your Bible say and fasting? Now, and as he was casting out a devil and it was dumb and it came to pass and when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake and the devil and the people wondered. Now, I've actually personally witnessed this multiple times multiple times I, i've actually lost count of this exact thing i have personally been there seen it heard it witnessed it myself um it it, it is a fearful thing it is it has actually happened to me a, a few times in the past as well i i've experienced it myself um before i came to the lord um, it's also a very similar thing that occurs in what is known as sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis is not a natural thing. It is not just your brain is kind of in the in-between where or your body's in the sleep state, your brain is in the sleep state, and you come to consciousness and your body hasn't caught up yet. No! If that was the case, then how come anytime you start calling out to Jesus, suddenly it stops? No. It's the same thing. It's the literal, literal, exact same spirit that causes this issue right here. Where he hinders, this spirit hinders your ability to speak. Where you're kind of frozen and you can't talk. I have personally witnessed it multiple times in helping uh, people where I, I'm, I'm counseling them, I'm, I'm praying for them, I'm showing them what the, needs to be done, or uh, it's it, it's actually happened a lot of times when I've uh, been showing someone the gospel and uh, they want to call upon the Lord, they want to be saved, and they go to call upon the Lord and suddenly they can't talk. Now, I mean this literally, and I, I and I can see it in their face. A sudden fear comes over them because they literally can't speak. And and I, I know this one. And uh, I and I'll say to them, you can't you literally can't talk now, can you? Then they just wide eyes and they shake their head. No, I'm like, they're silencing you and and refusing to let you speak. Am I right? And they're, they're nodding. I'm like, OK. I know exactly what this is. And I rebuke the devil that's on them. I rebuke that devil. I command it to be silent and to leave this person alone that they might hear uh, the gospel of Christ and call upon the Lord. And suddenly they can talk. It's like a hand on your throat, but it's different. It's not like an actual feeling of a hand on your throat, but it's a, it's the same kind of effect where it closes off and you just can't talk. 
that's a demon. That's literally a demon. Literally silencing you, causing you to be unable to speak. And that's what was happening here. Now, sleep paralysis is the literal same thing, where the demon that would cause you to not be able to speak. Um, there was an account that happened to me uh, before I came to the Lord, when I was practicing occult, and I was really high up in the occultic circles and stuff, I was still going to church to to keep up appearances so people wouldn't know what I was doing. But I actually remember quite vividly, um, I'd be sitting in my seat and be, we'd be singing the hymns and anytime the name of Jesus or a mention of Jesus in some manner would be coming up in the song, I could say all the words, I'd be singing along, and as soon as the name of Jesus would come up, I literally wouldn't be able to physically say the name. I tried, and I couldn't. And then we, then suddenly I could say all the other words. It's real, folks. It's real. It's not just a, a psychosis. It's not a state of anxiety. It's not, you know, stress. It's not some other natural thing. The Bible says it's a supernatural thing. The Bible says it's a demonic attack. The Bible talks about it. It, it discusses it. It goes into detail about it, about all the different kinds of things that they can do. We got to be careful not to just to dismiss th these possibilities all because we don't think it is. Not to jump to conclusions. Now, what are what are some possible red flags of demonic attacks? I actually was talking about this with a friend of mine uh, just the other day about uh, what are some red flags of demonic attacks. And Going back and thinking about my previous life and then comparing, okay, to, to the, what the Word of God says, so, so to know, okay, what is true and what is not, because I have a lot of experience, okay, but now I got to test it by Scripture, okay, to see what is actually real and what's not. Okay, according to the Word of God and according to the reality of the supernatural, uh, one easy red flag is when literally nothing works literally nothing works medicines don't work doctors don't work exercise doesn't work changing of lifestyle doesn't work psychology doesn't work nothing works nothing works nothing works you've prayed about it you fasted and prayed about it you, you you've done everything you possibly can you've gone to the pastors they prayed over you they've anointed you with oil they've done all this you've done everything nothing works it's because it's a powerful devil when nothing works it's a devil because it's supernatural and there's not one single thing that you could physically ever do that will undo it. 
The Bible says prayer and fasting, belief in the Lord, giving it to the Lord, acknowledging the truth, going to the Lord about it. You see, especially within this day and age, everything is science. Everything is physical. Everything is tangible. Everything must be observable, testable, able to be reproduced. I have to see it. I have to hear it. I have to smell it. I have to taste it. I have to feel it. I have to physically experience it for it to be real. That is our mentality today. But the Bible says, no, the actual true reality is so, so much more that we can't even begin to fathom it. We can't even begin to understand. Prayer and faith, trust in God, belief of faith. It goes so, so far. The spiritual realm inters interacts with our realm where everything has a spiritual connotation. This is why the Lord says in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do all to the glory of God. Because, because you can eat and drink not to the glory of God. And that you can eat and drink and it can cause negative spiritual uh, effect. Or you can eat and drink and have positive spiritual effect. Why would you not want to bring the Lord into it is the question. When you refuse to bring the Lord into it, then it's having a detrimental effect upon your spiritual life when you entertain yourself with things that dishonor god you are honoring something else and when you honor these other things you are drawing them in and attracting them and you are causing negative problems and you're harming your spiritual life you're harming your devotional life you're harming your prayerful life you're harming your walk with god when you are not walking with god so when you do these things that actually honor the enemy and dishonor God, you are attracting them and they will they will ha now have a door into your life to affect you. You'll start to have nightmares, night terrors, sleep paralysis. You'll have trouble praying, trouble reading the Bible. You won't want to pray. You'll be start dismissing your devotional life. Your faith will decrease. You, you'll have more problems with going to church. You'll have more problems with the faith. You'll stop witnessing, stop handing out tracts. You'll get more depressed, more angry. You'll get more heavy. You know, and, and these are red flags of demonic activity. You, you'll have more outbursts of emotion. You'll be neg more negative. You'll be more oppressed. More, you'll get angrier. You'll have more fights. You'll be more depressed. You'll have more uh, negative issues and problems at work. You will have no joy, no peace. You won't be able to get rest. You won't be able to be rested. You won't be. You won't feel joy in your life. These are red flags of demonic activity. Now. If you want to know more about this, actually, and this is coming to my mind, uh, is you should check out our playlist, Spiritual Warfare. Watch the video on King Saul and the Witch of Endor. I go into great, great detail in that message, King Saul and the Witch of Endor. Um, because I talk about the downward spiral 
of rebellion and apostasy. What happens when you start to leave off the things of God and you start to become more apathetic and blasé towards the Lord and what that eventually will do and how things will get worse, get worse, get worse, get worse, get worse, and how the enemy just tears you down, tears you down slowly, slowly, slowly. And I go through all the red flags and I show you what what actually happens according to the word of God, how demonic activity actually works. See, people when they hear demonic activity, they think of poltergeists. They think of ghosts walking the halls or something. No, um, demonic activity first starts with an attack upon your prayer life. The first red flag you should watch for is how much time you spend talking to the Lord, how much time you spend praying, how much time you spend reading and studying your Bible. How much time you spend talking about the Lord and how, and how much you enjoy the fellowship of the saints together. These are the things that the enemy attacks first, always. The, it, it's, it, this is their pattern. This is what they do. 100% of the time, they do not deviate from this, from, from this type of attack. They always, always attack your prayer life your devotional life first because if you're keeping yourself in prayer and studying the word of god they can't get a hold of you they can't affect you as easily it, it's very hard for them to get an a, a foot in your life if you have a good prayer life and devotional life so they must attack that first they will try to cause you to be silent to the lord to bring in muteness to silence you so you don't speak about Christ on social media, in person, in public, or whatever, or wherever. They try to minimalize the amount of time that you give to speaking about the things of God. Or if you do speak about things of God, see, devils really don't care if you talk about God in a generic sense. As long as it's generic, as long as it's bland and blah, and it literally could be for anybody about anything, it, they don't care about that. See, devils don't care if you read your Bible as long as you don't apply it to your life. They don't care if you pray as long as you're praying, doubting and fearing and disbelieving and you're not praying sincerely. As long as you're just going through the religious motions, they couldn't care less what you do. As long as it's not sincere and fervent and zealous. And he was casting out a devil. And it was dumb, and it, and it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. The people wondered. Now, why, why would they wonder? Because they thought it was a normal thing. They thought it was a natural issue. They didn't know that it was an actual supernatural problem, a demonic attack upon that person's life. They thought it was just a natural phenomena that was occurring to this person. It goes beyond the senses. You cannot feel the devils. You cannot sense the devils. You cannot always see the devils. You cannot always know when they're there. They are masters at subtlety. They are absolute masters at veiling themselves, at, at keeping themselves hidden. They, they work in such a way that you would never know they were there in the first place. How do you know 
here's the thing that's this will really creep you out how do you know that your thoughts are your thoughts how do you know if your thoughts are your thoughts how do you know it's not an enemy, a devil, whispering in your ear? They know how to mimic you. They know how to talk like you. They know how to sound like you. They know how to put Im imaginations and pictures and images and thoughts and words and feelings and things in your mind where you honestly would 100% think it was totally your own. How do you know your thoughts are your own? This is why the Word of God says that, that we should secure our thoughts our imaginations casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of god taking into captivity every thought to the obedience of christ that we got to make sure that it lines up with the word of god arresting our mind our imagination our thoughts and our thinking and to make sure it's all in line with the word of god how do you know your thoughts are your own This is why you got to make sure you're not speaking through in an emotional state. Because when you're just speaking through emotion, that's when they can get in and they can actually inspire you to say things that you ought not. They can do that. They can mimic illnesses, diseases, problems. They, they can mimic all kinds of stuff in your life. And you will swear that it was natural we got to be careful if we go back to Matthew chapter 12 Matthew chapter 12 verse 43 Jesus also says something else here Matthew chapter 12 verse 43 when the unclean spirit which is a devil which is a demon there there are not different species of demons uh, some people say there are and that's it that's just stupid where there are demons and then there are devils and then there are fallen angels no no fallen angels are the demons are the devils these are different titles for the same creature right they are the unclean spirits. They are the familiar spirits. And they masquerade and manifest as different types of things to fool you, trick you, and all of that. Alright, so, when the unclean spirit, Matthew 12, 43, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, now how do they get in? See, that's my question. How do they get in? You see, I'm also going to be bringing in my discussion just a brief discussion here born again christians cannot be demonically possessed you can't be possessed if you're a born again christian but you can be oppressed oppression outward persecution and affliction possession is indwelling ownership let's look and see see this verse 43 matthew 12 43 when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man he walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty. No one else is inside. 
He findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth he and, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So how does demonic possession actually work? I don't know how that works it's on a different plane it's on a different power it's on a different ability how it exactly works i don't know but it is absolutely terrifying um i speak from first-hand experience before i came to the lord before i was truly born again saved when i was messing around in witchcraft and occultism i got demonically possessed at one point it is absolutely terrifying. It is not anything you'd wish on anyone. And I'm only alive today by the sheer grace and mercy of God. Um, they get in and they take control. They call the shots. They do whatever they want. You have no say, no power, no will. You're at their sheer mercy. They can kill you, destroy you, do whatever. Uh, they have full ownership and control of you. You see, for the born-again Christian, though, we are already indwelt by the Holy Spirit of the living God. Proverbs 8.22, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way. Possession just means to take ownership of. We have already been taken ownership of by God. As the word of God says, you've been bought with a price. You belong to him. You are the temple of the living God. The spirit of God indwells you, seals you, holds you. You're held in his hand. He owns you. He calls the shots. You're by his power, his name. You, and, he's, and the Lord says, I will not share the same place as the place of devils. That's what it says. You'll not share the same cup, not share the same table with devils. So devils cannot take ownership of that which God already owns. Since you're already owned by God, devils cannot own you. So they cannot possess you. They can oppress you. They can oppress you. They can fight against you and, and, and torment you in every way imaginable, but they can't take ownership. They can sometimes oppress so severely it looks like a possession, but there are certain tells though a person who who is saved who is not possessed will have a will of their own they'll be able to speak and do and say certain things like for example a person who is demonically possessed is not going to pray they are not going to call upon the lord they are going to absolutely violently hate the sound of the word of god they're going to hate everything about god they're even going to hate the very appearance of a bible appearing in their in their presence they hate everything about god jesus the bible the faith the, and that there's um, a change of personality of character uh, violence, uh, vulgarities, blasphemies, heresies. Uh, there's there's many tells regarding demonic possession. Well, a complete loss of ability to be able to uh, to do that which it, which needs to be done. But oppression can be overridden quite simply by faith. A person who is oppressed. When you pray for them, you pray over them, 
and they believe upon the Lord, they repent and 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 call upon the Lord, it goes away rather rather easily, rather swiftly. And they can call upon the Lord. They even in a state of a person who is born again saved, if they have such an oppression where they can't speak and you ask them flat out, even though they can't speak, you say, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the mighty God manifested in the flesh? And they'll be nodding, yes, they are there in them and there's a manifestation of belief. But a person who's possessed will want nothing of it. A person who has a devil is a person who is not saved, cannot, will not state that they believe in the Lord God, Jesus Christ. Bible says it. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God called Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, people say, well, well, if you're saying that, but in the Bible, we see even devils crying out, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God, we know who thou art. We know who you are. They're not saying they believe in him. See, there's a difference. Because people say, well, Catholics say they believe, and Seventh-day Adventists and Mormons say they believe. No, they, they know. They don't believe. Because also it says, no man can say Jesus is Lord. Which Jesus? Which Jesus? The Jesus of the occult? The Jesus of Islam? The Jesus of the Catholics? The Jesus of the Mormons? Which Jesus? You see, specificity uh, on these doctrines. We want to know exactly what we're talking about. When it comes to the supernatural when it comes to the paranormal, when it comes to the demonic realm, when it comes to what the Word of God teaches, we need to be specific. We need to be very detailed, specific, and careful. we got to know what we're talking about. And when it comes to issues in our lives, problems, illnesses, diseases, temptations, whatever it is, fill in the blank. How do you know it's just a natural issue, a natural phenomenon? Well, you don't. How can you know? How can you make sure? The Bible says, test the spirits to see if they are of God. You want to test the thing. How do you test things? You bring it to the Lord. I was talking with my wife about this uh, the other day. You know, I, I'm going to break my own rule just for a moment. Please bear with me. And okay, let's just listen for a moment. We look at today's issues of the plague that's going on some say it's not real some say it is you know, I, i'm not even talking about that for a moment i'm not even talking about that i'm just talking about in general okay and about face coverings and needles and all this stuff what to do what to do what to do and people when I, i've been hearing a lot of people talk about it from each side arguments and opinions and fighting and bickering and near war over the whole thing you know and i honestly have to say i've not yet heard one single person say god says 
I haven't heard one single person say anything about about how they've taken this whole issue unbiasedly to the Lord, asked the Lord's opinion, the Lord's beliefs on this, what should be done, asking for the Lord's wisdom and knowledge and direction, sought the word of God while praying about this to see what does the word of God specifically say about this, how should we go about these issues, and leaving themselves out of it. I've not yet heard or seen that. All I hear is people people talking from their opinions, their feelings, their personal biases. I've not yet heard one single person take it to the Lord and talk about how the Lord says, the Word of God says, well, how do you know that? I fasted and prayed about it, sought the face of God about this, and the Lord says this from His Word. You see, we get so fervent and zealous and religious when it comes to any other topic, but for some reason, we completely leave the Lord alone when it comes to these kinds of issues. You know, every issue, everything that that arises in our lives needs to be brought to the Lord. It doesn't, even if it's something you would swear was a natural issue, a fit, natural physical issue, we need to take it to the Lord, even in eating and drinking. Even in eating and drinking. The people marveled that this person was healed because they would have swore it was just a natural thing and not a big deal. We need to make everything a big deal with God. We take it up to the Lord that it's such a big deal that you would go into the throne room of God, walk right up before your father and beg his attention and he would look down upon you and you then tell him what's going on and you plead his face, you beg his hand and you ask his spirit to move and teach and instruct and you ask him to tell you from his word, even in eating and drinking. Why would you not want to? Why would you not want to make it a big deal with God? But but it's just it's just a mask. Bring it up before the Lord. It's just a cup of water. Bring it up before the Lord. But but I already know what I want to do. You are irrelevant. I'm irrelevant, our feelings are irrelevant, our preconceptions are irrelevant. What does the Lord say? What does the Lord say? If I haven't heard, thus saith the Lord, I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear, I think, I feel, I believe. I want to hear God says, his word says, the scriptures say, and I want to hear what the scriptures say, and then I want to hear what the scriptures say without contradicting any other point of the word of God. Don't cherry pick verses to try to build up and justify an act of rebellion and stubbornness. People are constantly stating, we ought to be God rather than men, we ought to be God rather than men, and they're twisting this for personal rebellion and anarchy. I want to see what does the word of God say about each matter without contradicting any other point of scripture. I want to see an unbiased heart before God, asking the Lord as your counselor, seeking the face of God and the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom about everything. 
How do you know that? How do you know? And I'm I'm saying this honestly. How do you know that this whole societal issue right now is natural? How do you know? They thought that was natural. How do you know? How do you know the governmental issues are natural? How do you know that the that the medical issues are natural? How do you know the issues in your own personal life are natural? Problems at your work, problems at your job, problems with your family, problems with your health, problems with your car. How do you know it's natural? Take it up before the Lord. And you seek the face of God until you know for sure, until the Lord says yes or no or gives you the explanation. You keep seeking his face and you don't stop. You don't base your prayer off your feelings. Well, the Lord hasn't told me already, so you know you know what. No, that's called fainting in prayer. You ask his face in everything. Now look what it says here in Luke eleven fourteen, And he was casting out a devil and it was dumb. And it came to pass and the devil was gone out. The dumb spake and the people wondered. They were amazed. But some of them said he casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. Saying Jesus is demonically possessed. And others tempting him sought him a sign from heaven. But he knowing their thoughts. How could Jesus know their thoughts? Because he's God. There's a proof of his divinity right there knowing their thoughts, said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and a house divided against a house falleth. What about a Christian divided against their faith? Christian divided against their faith. You say you love God, but in works dishonor Him. You call Him Lord, Lord, but do not do as He says. You say you believe, but your prayers are nothing but raging doubts and unbelief. You say you love the Lord, but you're full of fear and worry and stress and fretting and anxiety and every depression under the sun. You don't seek the joy of the Lord. There's fighting and bickering and belly aching and complaining and whining and grouching and crustiness constantly. A Christian divided against their faith. Will they stand? People say, oh, I'll die for the Lord. I'll die for the Lord. But they won't die for him for even the smallest matters. But how do you expect it, it to stand for the Lord in the heaviest? If we won't stand for the Lord in the smallest matters, what makes you think you'll stand for the Lord in the greater matters? You see, we have a tendency to think that everything is natural. That everything is, is just as it seems. But Satan can appear as an angel of light, and his ministers can appear as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. And if Satan can deceive a third of the angels, what makes you think he can't deceive you? He's a master of deception and delusion. He knows how to make the smallest thing, a big deal, in such a way you wouldn't even notice. Like the parable of boiling the frog. He knows how to boil you. He knows how to boil your faith. 
He knows how to thin you out. He knows how to kill your prayer life, kill your faith, kill your walk with God. He knows how to fill your life with everything under the sun that goes against the Christian faith in such a way you wouldn't even notice. You're sitting on the couch and your house is literally burning to the ground. You wouldn't even see it. Your whole life crumbling around you and you haven't a clue why. He knows how to do that. He knows how to silence you without anyone else noticing, without even you knowing. When was the last time you handed out a gospel tract? When was the last time you talked about Jesus publicly? When was the last time you stood for the faith? When was the last time you prayed in faith believing? And I mean prayed. I mean that really pouring out your heart to God and praying until something happens. When is the last time you've done that? When is the last time you actually sat down and read your Bible for more than five minutes without getting distracted by every other thing? When is the last time you actually lived for God? Think about it. Break that phase, that haze. Break that fog. Start to see clearly what has the enemy done to you? How have they gotten their claws in your life? What have they done to you? Look at your entertainment. Look at your look at your your lifestyle, your personal culture, your hobbies, your interests. Now, where's God? Where is Jesus Christ in your life? How often is he seen and shown and manifested in your life? How do you live for him? How do you believe in him? How do you love him? How do you worship him? You make you would you would sacrifice your right arm to get to the doctor's office to, to meet an appointment, but you make every excuse not to go to church. These are manipulations of the enemy to destroy you and hinder you and harm you. Part-time Christians cannot defeat full-time devils. And we wonder, and the people wondered, the people wondered, and we wonder, we're amazed at how this happens. But we let it happen again and again and again. We're amazed when we see another Christian standing on fire for the Lord. We think, oh, how I'd love to do that. Why are you wondering about that and, uh, and saying, oh, I'd love to do it. Go. Why would you not want to? The very, the very sense of welling up within you to make you not stand for the Lord and speak up for the Lord is of the devil. The fear of man is more than the fear of God. That's demonic. That's a demonic manipulation. You want to know? You want to know what I'm talking about? About how devils can silence you like this? Literally? Physically? Every time you refuse to, to hand a track or speak to someone about the gospel in the street. You want to experience this firsthand? Step outside in the public. Start talking about Jesus. Watch what happens. Suddenly you won't be able to talk. You'll suddenly get cold and shake and you'll sweat and you fear and you nearly start shaking and your throat will close off and you literally can't talk about Jesus in public. The, the, the voice, the still small voice says, hand this person a track and suddenly your body just freezes. You can't even move your hand to the track. That's demonic activity. 
That's a demon. The devils wait. They wait. And they watch. And they listen. And they observe. And they interfere and manipulate. And they fight. And they oppress. And they hinder. And every single opportunity. People say, well, no, that's just, that's just anxiety. They well up the anxiety. They know how to push the buttons of the chemical makeup of you. They know how to suddenly induce an absolute terror. In a moment, they can do it. They know how to push that button and just flood your system with terror and fear and heaviness so you will not stand for the Lord. They know how to do that. That is spiritual. It's spiritual. It's not just physical. It's not just physical. It's not just anxiety. It's who is inducing the anxiety. Who is welling up the fear and the torment and the heaviness. Who is oppressing the person. Who is fighting the faith. Who is hindering your, your walk with Christ. Who is oppressing you. Stop thinking that it's physical. Everything is spiritual. Everything has a spiritual connection and connotation. Everything affects your spiritual walk. Nothing is neutral. Nothing is just a thing by itself. Even in eating and drinking dwell to the glory of God. A Christian divided against their faith cannot stand. What makes you think that you're going to be able to stand for God when the things really get going bad if you can't stand for God now? If you can't speak up for the Lord now in the simplest of matters, if you can't take the base things of your life to the Lord now while you can, what makes you think you will when things get really bad? Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Are you in the kingdom of God? Are you born again saved? How do you know? So many people who call themselves would swear they're Christians. Haven't the foggiest clue how to explain from the Bible alone how Jesus is God and how, how we are born again saved. That blows my mind. And they swear they're saved. How? Because I believed in Jesus. Devils believe and tremble. They know who he is and they shake with fear. They know who he is, but he is not their Lord. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to a desolation, and a house divided against a house fall. The people wondered. You will wonder. You will be amazed. You will be absolutely awestruck, dumbfounded. How true all of this is that I've been talking about if you actually start looking at everything in a spiritual light. You will see devils everywhere. Manipulating every aspect, every word, every thought, every desire, every action. They'll be manipulating all your entertainment, everything, your, even your music choices. When you're, when you're scrolling through your MP3 player or whatever and you find a song, they'll even manipulate that. I, I swear, 
They have their hands in everything. This is why the Word of God says, in everything that you do, even in eating and drinking, do to the glory of God. You're thinking, speaking, looking, hearing, smelling, tasting, working, walking, everything. The very thoughts of your heart to be arrested to the obedience of the Word of God. Your dreams, your imaginations. You can't go five minutes without sinning by way of thought, word, or action. Why? How? How is that possible? Because they're there. They're waiting, watching, observing, listening, waiting for an opportunity to strike. Are you going to allow them an opportunity? Oh, it's easy to say no. It's easy, easy to say the right thing. But that's what James talks about. Where's your works? Where's the proof of it? Words are cheap. Words are cheap. Anyone could say they anyone could say they love Jesus. Anyone can say the right thing. But they won't do it. They won't do it. Faith, your faith is dead. Worthless, useless unable to be used by god if you will if you won't do it be not just hearers of the word but doers also but doers also stop fighting and looking at things from a physical lens you see we look at face coverings and we freak out why because someone told you to do something that's just stubborn and the stubbornness of rebellion rising up and we go look for every form of possibility for justification to 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 align with our own our own feelings on the thing but what does the lord say did we take even that to the lord it says take take a glass of water to the lord take a piece of bread to the lord but we won't take those things we won't take our televisions we won't take our music we won't take our our clothing styles we won't take our lifestyles we won't take our our personalities we won't take our feelings to the lord we won't take everything else to the lord you see what i mean what happens when when a when a church turns everything physical Nothing is spiritual. That church dies. The candlestick is removed. And it can no longer be used of God. It doesn't mean they weren't saved. It just means the Lord can't use them. The fire of their usability is gone. When a Christian turns everything physical and nothing is spiritual, they cannot be used of God. When a Christian refuses to pray, refuses to fast and pray, refuses to give everything to the Lord, and turns everything physical, and goes by their opinions and feelings and emotions on everything, their exper personal experiences, they cannot be used of God, because God is not in all their thoughts. The devil of muteness. And he's casting out a devil, and it was dumb. Mute. It has the ability to silence and stop. It has the power to silence and stop. How many of those devils are in your life? How, how can I know? Examine your life. What have you done for the Lord? How are you standing for the Lord? How are you speaking of Him, for Him, about Him? How often? How loudly? How detailed, how specific. Because every dog and his brother talks about 
God and Jesus in a generic sense, but where is the specific Jesus Christ of Scripture in your life? Where is the God of Scripture in your life? How much Scripture have you memorized? How many songs on the radio do you know? Now, how many Bible verses do you know? And it's a little bit awkward when you say, We could talk about politics and, and needles and everything else for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours on end, but we could hardly talk about the Bible for five minutes. If you were to eat and drink as often as you read your Bible and prayed and talked about Jesus, how healthy and strong would you be? You see, we can get so up in arms, so up in arms, about about our personal likes and dislikes and our passions and these things why don't we get like that about christ we talk we could talk and go on riots and all kinds of things we go publicly and stand placards and speak up and oppose the governments about everything that we don't like how come you will not do that about the gospel you won't evangelize you won't street preach you'll stand up for everything else you speak about everything else. You all up in arms about everything else. Why won't you do that about the Word of God? You'll post huge articles. You'll search. You spend hours searching and researching websites and articles and things to support your your personal positions and everything else. But you won't do that about the Bible because the devils have silenced you. They've made you mute. And no one knows. Because everyone thinks this is the natural way of things. This is how it's naturally done. This is how we're naturally supposed to react. But the Lord says, bring it to me. What about me? What about what I say? What about what I would do? Just saying. We wonder why there's no sweeping revivals. We wonder why the churches are closing. We wonder why faith is disappearing, why Christians are falling away, why, why there's such oppression within Christianity, why the devil is winning lock, stock, and barrel, why the pagans, like a, like a, like a fiery freight train, just barreling through the Christian realm, and there's nothing that can be done. And we wonder why, we wonder why, and the people wondered why. Because God is not in all their thoughts. Because everything is spiritual and not, so everything is physical and not spiritual. Because we've given up the faith, we've handed over the torch, and the Lord says, who will go for us? Who will stand for us? We must rebuild the old waste places, restore the old landmarks. We need to come back to the faith in a spiritual sense. Stop looking at it physically. Stop looking on the outward appearance. Stop judging of the outward appearance. Stop looking at things as natural. And turn everything spiritual. Everything. Bring the Lord into literally everything the very shirt on your back ask the lord what should i wear today why would you not want to ask him that 
Well, that just seems small. But he wants to be a part of literally everything. He made you, fashioned you in the womb. He gave you everything that you have. You are who you are today by the grace of God. Why would you not want to ask his opinion? Why would you not want to ask him about the eating and the drinking? Why would you not want to have a glass of water with Jesus? Why would you not want to go for a walk with Jesus? Why would you not want to hand out tracts to the unsaved? Why would you not want God to be in all your thoughts? Why would you not want it? When people start doing this, when people start ignoring the Lord, leaving him out, even in the smallest matters, the Lord is going to be out of all the matters. It's a, it's a eventual. This is what happens. This is how the devils work. The devils come in and they sound like you in your mind. They say, oh, you don't need to pray about that. Oh, no, here, just, no, you don't need to take it. You don't need to just, just, just go do this. Just, just do this. Just ask this person. Just look it up online. Just ask the doctor. No, just, just pop a pill. Just take an ibuprofen or something. Take an aspirin or just go to, you don't, don't need to take it to the Lord. Just have a cup of coffee and you'll be fine. You'll feel better. Just go for a walk and you'll feel better. No, you don't need to go and, yeah, well, it's, it's kind of bad weather that you don't need to go to church. Well, you're kind of rushed for time. You don't, you don't need to just wrap it up real quick and just we got to get going then they sound like you in your own mind and your faith dies your faith dies and you become mute you become mute about prayer mute about god mute about the faith mute about christ and you start turning everything physical and then emotions and feelings and opinions and the flesh riles up and you get riled up but it's not spiritual it's not righteous anger where is god where is god a christian divided against his faith will not stand so what can we do? What can we do? Some of these come not out but by prayer and fasting. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And as the great prophet Micaiah says in 1 Kings twenty two fourteen, I actually have it taped up on my desk here. 1 Kings twenty two fourteen. As the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. Do you even pray about how to talk? To ask the Lord to teach you what to say in the very same hour? I'm not talking about witnessing. I'm talking about talking. Generic, basic conversation. Having conversation. But in a conversation about anything else asking the lord for wisdom on how to even talk about this subject that's a, that's arisen why would you not want to you see the see people say well i don't think of it that's the problem how could a person come to a state where they naturally just wouldn't even think of it I'll wrap that up there give it some thought 
spirits of muteness. People wondered. God says why. A Christian divided against their faith cannot stand. There you go. I'll wrap that up there. Just something I just wanted to say today. I hope you understand. I am in no way, shape, or form saying I am better than anyone else. I suffer with this as well. And it bothers me. It angers me. That I forget the Lord. After everything that he's done for me. Everything he do he has done, is doing, and will do for me. How I can forget him. How I don't think of him. How I don't bring him into all my thoughts, all my conversations. How I, how I could be on such fire for the Lord and talk about it so much and then... I forget it. But this is the grace of God. That it's not a... You only get one chance. The patience of the Lord, the grace of the Lord, the forgiveness of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord. The mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ is that He's, that he's he, His hand is outstretched still. His hand is outstretched still. He says, look, just get up. Let's keep going. The righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Don't look at the fall. Look at the rising of get back up. Try again. Try again. Try again. Try again. He never gets tired of saying that. As long as we are desiring to try again. It's easy to say it. It's harder to do. But are you willing? Are you willing, wanting, desiring to stand for the Lord? Then do it. Stop making excuses. Deliberately, deliberately choose you this day whom you will serve. And as even my, my very username title on instagram and, and on reddit and at many places second corinthians chapter 2 verse 1 but i determined this with myself that i would not come again to you in heaviness i determined a determination to keep fighting a determination to keep trying a determination to glorify god a determination to fight myself with everything because I know how evil I am. I know what I'm capable of and I'm afraid of, of what I don't know how, what I'm capable of. As George Mueller, one of the greatest men of faith, says, the thing that he feared the most is apathy. We need to fight apathy. We need to fight it. We need to keep a roaring flame of zealousness and passion in our lives. And we need to stand for the Lord. We need to choose to turn everything spiritual in, a, in such a state that it would glorify God. How can it glorify God? If it doesn't glorify God, why are you bothering? You say what glorifies God and you leave it with the Lord. Worry not, fear not, fret not care not stress not be anxious or nothing cast all your care upon him weep not worry not leave it with the lord 
You see, we complain and bellyache about everything. Read Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Where it's all about that. It's all about that. How the Lord gets angry with bellyaching. Can the Lord do this? Will the Lord do this? And how he hates that. He hates that so much. You look at what the Lord has done, is doing, will do. Why is it even a question? Bring it up before the Lord and ask him. A God who is able to to speak the universe into existence isn't capable of forgetting one single thing in your minuscule life. Bring it up before him. Go to the Lord in prayer and fasting. Turn it spiritual. Give it to the Lord. Live for the Lord. Believe the Lord like you say you do. Stand for the Lord and his righteousness. Speak for the Lord and his righteousness for his glory, his magnificence. Stop letting physical things control your faith. Stand for the Lord. Worry not, fear not, doubt not. Don't be divided. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. What does the Lord say? That's all that matters. How do you know if it's natural or spiritual? Seek his face. Ask him who knows all things. Wrap it up there. So God bless you folks. Thank you so much for joining in. If you appreciate these studies, please give this a like, give us a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe, hit notification bell icon so you know we put up new videos. And check out all our other videos. We've got tons of other Bible studies and devotionals and things. As well, check out our website, christiancoffeetime.ca. It's got links to all our other platforms, all other goodies and such there. And thank you so much for joining in. God bless you folks. God bless all those who love our Lord God, Jesus Christ. God bless all those who love his holy word. And I hope to see you again, folks. And as always, if I don't see you again... I'll see you in the sky. God bless.